And as he lay there in the hospital bed and he was pondering his life, and I stood there holding his hand as he recounted his experience, he regretted a lot of things. And he gave me one last piece of advice. And he said, Jackson, every person in this world has two lives. And your second life starts when you realize that you only have one. And he died shortly thereafter. And I was fortunate from that experience, although I lost my father, my best friend, my second life started on that day. And I realized that we all need to live for today, but plan for tomorrow. And all of this kind of mentality that many entrepreneurs have of kind of shrinking yourself wealthy and deferring gratification, is let's face it, it's BS. It's a scarcity-based mentality. And I'm a big believer that we, as entrepreneurs, should be working to create the financial means that allow us to have our cake and eat it too. And this is why I preach the methodology of enjoying the journey, because we really need to. We need to reward ourselves for all of that hard work, because it is bloody hard. And so I'm hoping going to share some strategies that will help you guys uh, implement some of these principles through our chat today. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Now, if you are one of those people that struggles with mindset, I know that's one of your favorite topics, mindset. We are going to be tackling all things mindset today with our guest from one of our favorite places on planet Earth coming in from Australia. We have with us Jackson Milan. He helps people overcome those mental roadblocks that are keeping you from being everything that you were designed to be so that you can, you know, we always talk about so that you can reach more people, make a bigger impact and create the lifestyle that you deserve. This is one of those days where we're really going to be talking about the lifestyle that you deserve. We spend so much time on marketing and sales, but Hey, today let's talk about the fact that you were put on this planet to be abundant and you need to be great receivers. You need to receive all that you can because that is the precursor to giving. And I know that as service providers, so many of you have a big heart for giving and you are a phenomenal giver. Well, hey, today let's work on becoming a phenomenal receiver. Yes. And so many times like in your head, you're like, ooh, but I don't know. Well, you're in luck because today we have Jackson Milan with us. Welcome into the None of Your Business podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm super excited to have a chat. Yeah, we're so happy to have you here. I, I was doing a little research on you and, and looking at all of the wonderful, amazing things that you do and you offer. And the thing that struck me the most that I really liked, and I just want you to expand on this, is that the title of your podcast, Enjoy the Journey. Mm. Right. And I think that that's something is so profound about that because being an entrepreneur is not always easy. Right. And it's quite the journey and it's got its ups. It's got its downs. I talk to people all the time. Sometimes they're like, man, I, I could quit right now, but I've put so much love and time and energy and effort into my business. And sometimes it's, you forget, you forget to enjoy even the parts that don't feel comfortable. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got here and your journey that led you to this podcast today. 
Yeah, but that really resonates with me because that was definitely the experience I observed as a child watching my parents who were entrepreneurs and business owners. My mum was a hairdresser. She tried really hard to scale a successful salon. Uh, my old man was a bit of a dreamer. He tried his hand at every business that you could possibly imagine. And just the grass was always greener on the other side. So he was always chasing those greener pastures. But as a kid, they always said to me, Jackson, you need to work hard if you want to be successful in this world. And worked hard they did. They worked 16 hour days, seven days a week for as long as I could possibly remember. But as a curious kid, I remember discovering pretty early on that there was something missing. There was a disconnect between what they were telling me and the reality of their situation. And what I come to discover is that they were working for money as opposed to money working for them. And they never had much to show for it. And as I observe them go through their journey, they committed to this kind of 40-20 trap that many of us are sold, that we work 40 years, we squirrel away every last red cent, we retire at 65, and we live the golden years for the rest of our life. And I don't know about you, but I've never really been motivated by that. And I saw my dad trying to do and follow that journey. And we fast forward to when he was 66 in, in 2017. And one year after he should have been retired, living the dream, he was diagnosed with late stage pancreatic cancer and he was given weeks to live. And as he lay there in the hospital bed and he was pondering his life and I stood there holding his hand as he recounted his experience, he regretted a lot of things and he gave me one last piece of advice. And he said, Jackson, every person in this world has two lives and your second life starts when you realize that you only have one. And he died shortly thereafter. And I was fortunate from that experience, although I lost my father, my best friend, my second life started on that day. And I realized that we all need to live for today, but plan for tomorrow. And all of this kind of mentality that many entrepreneurs have of kind of shrinking yourself wealthy and deferring gratification, is let's face it, it's BS. It's a scarcity-based mentality. And I'm a big believer that we as entrepreneurs should be working to create the financial means that allow us to have our cake and eat it too. And this is why I preach the methodology of enjoying the journey because we really need to. We need to reward ourselves for all of that hard work because it is bloody hard. And so I'm hoping we're going to share some strategies that will help you guys uh, implement some of these principles through our chat today. Well, 100%. I thought that you were going to say enjoy the journey was like there's those difficult parts and we're going to find a way to enjoy them. Right. You're saying that, look, we can employ strategies so that it actually is enjoyable <laughs> along the way. I mean, naturally, I mean, you have we have to ask, well, then what do we, what does that mean? What do we do? What are some of those strategies that we can actually you're telling me I can get that I can get that Bentley now. Let's let's talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, look, I think the big thing for all of us, and I'm sure you guys can, can comment on this, most entrepreneurs get into business for themselves because they want freedom and flexibility. Would you guys agree? Oh, a million percent. Yep. That's what they yeah. say. And how many business owners do you know that actually create freedom and flexibility? No, they actually create the opposite of that. Right. Yeah. They create a prison. It's a job for themselves, the golden handcuffs, right? And it's because that's what we've been taught from being kids, going through schooling, being indoctrinated by the institution, going out and getting a job for a corporate. We're, we're, we're taught to be employees, cogs in the wheel. And as entrepreneurs, we need to escape the matrix. So what I teach is about firstly defining what financial freedom really means. Because fundamentally, your business is a vehicle, a wealth creation vehicle. It is the best wealth creation 
creation vehicle. It's the Bentley of wealth creation vehicles because you've only got to look at every rich list in the world to see that the richest people in the world are entrepreneurs. But we see this huge disparity. It doesn't matter if it's in Australia or in the US or in Canada or in the UK or anywhere else in the world for that matter. There is this huge separation between the 1% of business owners and the rest of us. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is we need to reposition the business as a vehicle because most of us position our business as the destination. It's our baby. It's We've poured so much effort, blood, sweat, and tears into it that our measure of success is vanity metrics, which get us nowhere, to put it bluntly. So we need to define financial freedom. What's the lifestyle I want to live? Where do I, what house do I want to live in? When do I want to have it paid off? What school do I want to send my kids to? What's the quality of the experiences, hobbies, interests, holidays that I want to experience? Then we reverse engineer that into an income target. For me to be able to live the lifestyle I want, I need to be able to control the only two tradable commodities that exist in the world. There's time and there's money. So I need to be able to have enough financial means to buy back my time to enjoy that time. And that all comes down to an income target. Then I need to set a profit target. What does my business need to produce in profit to allow me to continue to grow and scale my business, but then live my lifestyle that I want? And then we turn that into all of your KPIs and activities. So by doing this, we can link all of your activities in your business to the outcomes that are intrinsically important to you. And it's far more easier to find the, the energy, the willpower, the determination to follow that path because we know exactly why we are doing it. And it's this mindset shift that changes everything. Yeah, I love this concept because it's about working things backwards. You know, I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs, they start working in their business and essentially as they make more money, then the lifestyle starts to change. So they allow the amount that they're making in that moment to dictate the lifestyle. What you're yeah. talking about is let's, let's identify the lifestyle first and then use the vehicle, the business to get us to that destination. So, but here's the thing, cause I know how our, our listeners think and a lot of them, they actually have difficulty identifying what lifestyle they want because they, they've never experienced something bigger or better or more. They don't know about what house they could really achieve or live in because they haven't been around big homes or people that live in those areas. So how do you help people begin to conjure up what that lifestyle looks like for them? Yeah, this is a really important point. And to be honest, it's something that I struggled with for many years because I come from a very modest existence with from where my parents came from. We barely had a couple of dollars to rub together. And although I never went hungry and I always had a roof over my head, it was always just scraping by. So putting myself in that abundant position to ponder what I wanted, I always found myself between a rock and a hard place of really struggling to identify what I wanted or falling into like the, the, the societal pressures of what you should want. The Because mm. we don't all want beachfront mansions and to fly in private jets and to drive Lamborghinis, right? right? So I developed an exercise that was built off three really simple questions. And the idea here is about us creating a deep connection to what we really want, parking all of the external pressures and actually giving yourself the space to, to ponder what you want. And the three questions are as follows. Question number one is what is fundamentally important to you? What are your non-negotiable needs? So is it having security? Is it having a certain amount of money in the bank? Is it being able to pay your bills on time? Is it about being able to put food on the table? What are your non-negotiables? List out as many of them as you possibly can. Number two, 
Assuming that your non-negotiables have been achieved, what then becomes your goals, your dreams, and your aspirations? Now, we need to get specific. So if you want to live in a house, where is it? How many bedrooms does it have? What does it cost in today's market? If you want to go on a holiday every year, where do you want to go to? What are you likely to spend? How many weeks do you want to go? Get really, really specific and list out as many goals, dreams, and aspirations, personal, business, lifestyle, financial, as you possibly can. And question number three, in relation to each of those goals, dreams, and aspirations, what is the significance of those goals, dreams, and aspirations to you? Why do you want it? So if you do say, hey, I want to have the beachfront mansion in Malibu, why do you want it? Why is that significant? And if you find yourself going, hey, it's actually not that significant. That's kind of like a little bit superficial. I don't really want it. Or maybe you say, hey, I want it because I want to be able to live this amazing lifestyle and prove the fruits of my labor have actually paid off and that I could do this. Beautiful. It's the ultimate pulse check. And the aim of the game is to continue to rinse and repeat this process every 90 days. And I guarantee the first time you do this, it's going to be challenging. I remember when I did this, I sat there for hours and I could only just get this, a surface level view of what I wanted. But repeating this every 90 days, and I've been doing it for almost a decade now, I get more clarity. I get more detailed. Things get removed, added, shifted, changed. But it means I've always got what I refer to as finger touch to my plan. It's real for me. So let's say that my business is relatively new, but I'm turning a profit, a modest profit. I do the exercise. I want the house in Malibu. I, I want the Bentley. I have compelling reasons. It makes sense to me. I deserve it. I want it for my family, for my children. I want them to have a better life than I had. What's the gap between, but I'm only making a modest profit. How do I bridge that gap so that it's not this grind to get yeah. to that point? So how do, how do I make this journey from where I am with the modest profit to the Bentley enjoyable? Yeah, the, the fundamental principle here and something that I really struggle with, like I've got ADHD. I hate deferring gratification. I want everything yesterday and uh, there's, there's non-negotiable, right? And I always struggled in my earlier years just actually putting enough money away towards long-term things because it was just seemed so far away and it's so easy to get disheartened, particularly when you're an entrepreneur. So I developed an exercise called the 20-year roadmap because what we've got to realize, guys, is that wealth is a marathon, not a sprint. And the biggest mistake that we can make is that we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in 10 or 20 years. So I developed an exercise called the 20-year roadmap. And the idea here is for us to actually map out all of our goals, dreams, and aspirations over 1, 5, 10, 15, and 20 years, taking it to an extreme. Because what I found in my experience is even the best goal setters often only set their goals 10 years into the future. And then from then onwards, things get a little bit cloudy and fuzzy. But what we then want to do is we want to segment our goals between lifestyle goals, goals that add quality to our life the holidays, the experiences, the holiday home, the nice car, the talks, the whatever else it is that you that makes your life more enjoyable for you and your family. And then your financial goals, which sure might add quality to your life, but that are primarily financially oriented, like buying a home in Malibu, right? 
And what we want to do is we want to be realistic around, well, based on where my business is right now and my ambitions, by when do I want to achieve these things? So let's say for argument's sake, we say we want to buy the $2 million house in Malibu in five years' time. Well, we've got to reverse engineer that. Well, okay, in five years' time, how much deposit do I need? Maybe I need a 20% down, right? Do I need $400,000? Okay, so over the next five years, what would my business need to be profiting to allow me to go from where I am right now with my modest profit to having $400,000 in the bank. And then I can turn that into my revenue target. Then I can turn that into my sales target, even to my lead target. And then I didn't need to pulse check myself as, am I actually confident that I can bridge that gap? Or am I being unrealistic with my expectations around my goal? And this then allows us to make an objective adjustment. And my view on this, guys, is that Let's shoot for the stars, and if we hit the moon, we're still doing all right. This is just about making sure that we're focusing on progress over perfection. And hey, if we end up 80% to the goal, that's still pretty good, right? As opposed to just flying by the seat of our pants and accepting what life throws at us. All right. Okay. You are a lot like me. I love having roadmaps and procedures and systems and exercises and lists. And And I give all of those to my clients as well, because I'm a big believer in those things. But here's something I noticed. So I I want to see if you can help me unpack this. Even if I have all of those things in place and I've got my 20 year roadmap and I've gone through all the exercises and I'm working hard at my goals, I can go after them objectively, but what always gets in the way is what's happening in my head. And so many times my mindset will be the barrier for me actually reaching those goals, even if I have the potential. So the mindset doesn't actually match the goal that I've put out there. So how do you help clients overcome this? Maybe it's a belief around, I don't deserve it. I'm not going to be able to get there. My business will never be able to support it. Um, my parents always told me people that had money um, were not good. I mean, there's all these subconscious conversations we have. So I'm sure you have some tips and some ways to help people work on that internal mindset struggle. Yeah, I, you, you talk in my language. I've experienced yeah. the exact same thing. And we see this with our clients. Like I've got clients from they're doing 10 grand a month. My biggest client has a $100 million business. And mm-hmm. the actual fact He's the one that struggles with mindset challenges the most. And it's often really surprising. Um, And a lot of his success has come through battling those self-limiting beliefs and trying to prove them wrong. So the things that I look to do here is that we can't just throw strategies and tactics at these problems. Because at the end of the day, the, the value of those strategies and tactics are always going to be limited by those subconscious invisible ceilings that you have. Mm-hmm. And unless you're lifting that invisible ceiling we refer to as the million-dollar mindset, then you're going to cap out on the value that those strategies and tactics can provide you when it comes to both your personal wealth and your business profits. So we look at doing a couple of things here. The first thing we do is we need to pay homage to the past. As entrepreneurs, we are like horses with our blinders. We're always looking forwards, right? Like what's next? Like maybe you guys can relate to this, that you achieve a goal in your business and then you're so focused on the next thing. Like somebody taps you on the shoulder and it's like, a, hey, like you just achieved this amazing thing. Like, aren't you proud of yourself? And you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm just thinking about the next thing. So the thing we're terrible at as entrepreneurs is actually reflecting on what got us to where we are and paying homage to that. It was famously said by Winston Churchill, those who fail to learn from history are bound to repeat it. 
And is it any surprise that from the vast majority of entrepreneurs, their financial experience feels like a vicious recurring roller coaster ride of the same old things getting served to them over and over again? So we take them to an exercise where they actually recount all of their significant money memories and identify what are the habits, the patterns, the behaviors that continue to rear their ugly head. So we can work out and how do we work to the strengths, but then buffer ourselves away from your internal subconscious weaknesses. The second thing is that we all have a, a money method, our own internal financial operating system. And we've got to realize like any operating system, it has constraints and limitations, right? So the idea is instead of pushing against the grain, just expecting that like this, you're going to be able to shift and change decades of hardwired spending and money behaviors. We identify this, those strengths and weaknesses. We work out how do we go with the grain so we can ensure that the default action is actually action. Because for the vast majority of people, when they create these roadmaps, they're relying on a manual, knee-jerk, emotional response. And because they're moving into discomfort, things that are new, things that they haven't done before, then of course they're going to be tentative in their decisions. So what we try and do is ensure that when we set up these structures, these frameworks, these systems, that we're holding them to a standard so the default path is forwards. And if we can do all of these things together, we can constantly lift the lid on that invisible ceiling and help you reset that, uh, that kind of unconscious incompetence to that conscious incompetence and then take us to ideally unconscious competence where this stuff just happens without even thinking about it. Well, obviously, you've had plenty of experience helping people navigate this kind of minefield, if you will, um, these things that we, right, that we, we, we just step on and we don't even know because it's unconscious, right? We unconsciously incompetent and we just keep committing these same mistakes. What are, you know, you mentioned, I think that's a big one that I see is there's a lot of self-worth issues, mm -hmm. like, you know, because it was easy when you gave me the exercise to dream of the, the you know, the vacation home in Malibu. But then when it came right down to it, um, I had a hard time executing because as I got closer to it, I began to question whether or not I was worthy. What are some of the other landmines, other dangerous thoughts that get in, in the way of some of the people that you've worked with? Yeah, there's always the, that kind of self-sabotage that lurks. And at the end of the day, we all have self-limiting beliefs. And I struggle with this myself. I remember that as I was crossing the line of creating my first seven-figure business, but my entire business career, I'd always had these self-limiting beliefs, this little voice in my head that would tell me that I was not worthy and that I was a fraud and I was a failure and that the gig was going to be up and I was going to lose everything, right? I'm sure we've all experienced those kinds of things, but I really struggled with it. And it was about the time that I crossed over seven figures that I saw an interview with Bill Gates. And a reporter asked, he said, Bill, have you ever struggled with self-limiting beliefs? And he said, of course I do, every single day. And the reporter was taken aback as if, that was a surprise. And so was I, to be honest. And he said, okay, wow, that's interesting. Well, how do you deal with it? And Bill said, well, every single day of my life, I've had this little voice in my head that tells me that I'm a fraud, I'm a failure, I'm not worthy, and that the gig's going to be up. And I've made it my life's mission to go on every single day in spite of that little voice in my head. And it was like a light bulb moment for me. And the big problem for most of us as entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurship is difficult, it is a constant battle of moving away from pain. A problem exists, we have to fix it. We're like firefighters, that we condition ourselves to always put ourselves in that position. 
One of my first mindset coaches taught me, Jackson, the situations that you learn to survive, your survival can ultimately depend upon. Meaning that our subconscious mind gets so good of getting out of these bad situations that it can subconsciously put us back into those situations because it knows how to survive them again. The tipping point for this is reprogramming your identity, your measure of success to no longer be about moving away from pain, but to reprogram it to moving towards pleasure. And it was at that point when I discovered this and I realized that I'd spent my entire life observing my parents moving away from pain, that I inherited those same behaviors of always moving away from pain. I could always get myself out of a crappy situation. But what I could never do is move towards an aspirational situation from a position of no pain. And when I made that shift and I supported that with the right operating system and structures, then it changed everything. And since then, I've been able to build a $6 million business now. We've got a team of 25. We've got 800 clients around the world. Um, I've spent almost 12 months traveling around Australia, and I now live on our dream property in far north Queensland. And I tell you this to brag. I tell you this because when you can break those subconscious invisible ceilings, when you can change your programming and escape those situations that you've learned to survive, that your survival has ultimately depended upon, then you can achieve huge amounts of growth as a result. I've experienced it personally, and we've seen our clients do it, which is why they've built $1.5 billion in combined wealth with our help. Well, I mean, we don't care if you want to brag up a little bit. I mean, you <laughs> you it. did the you work. Earned it. You earned it. Hey, this <laughs> we love that. That gives uh, inspiration to many people. Like you had given us many examples where in your upbringing, I'm sure a lot of people can relate mm -hmm. to, you know, the parents and the mindset and, you know, not necessarily like going hungry, but you know, the, the money mindset was one that was a limitation and you've overcome that. I mean, kudos to you. We're, we love celebrating other people's success. So I hope that that's an inspiration to a lot of people. Yeah, it's really interesting listening to you talk because I, I, I completely um, agree with the concept of, of not trying to move away from pain and moving towards pleasure. But then there also is this thought process that we have to continue to look in the rearview mirror and analyze historically what we've done, what other people have done so that we can make change. So how do you not get stuck on looking in the past and trying to learn from your mistakes and focusing on that pain while you're trying to move towards pleasure? Because that's like a really difficult thing where I see people get down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think it's about having a reliable framework that you can use to be able to keep yourself on track and on task. And we refer to our system as the wealth market machine. And to unpack that for a moment, we call it a machine because a machine is intended to produce a regular, repeated, consistent result. Mm -hmm. But for the reality for most people is that they're navigating their financial journey subjectively. It's emotional, it's knee-jerk, it's reactive whenever they've got a spare moment. And that's, that's where the roller coaster ride comes from. And for that reason, we always end up having the 2020 vision in hindsight, right? Like, oh, if only I bought that property back 10 years ago, I would have made hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, I should have bought Tesla uh, when it was at 100 bucks. Uh, I should have done this. I should have done that. And then we end up just beating ourselves up through the missed opportunities that we really struggle to find that balance between learning from the past, but also planning for the future. So our system really focuses on three core things. One, that's defining what you want 
And defining your mindset and lifting the lid on that mindset, designing your roadmap and then supporting that with a really simple strategy that is easy to execute where the default action is action. Next, it's about creating. It's about sustaining your surplus, so maximizing your business profits, not just chasing vanity metrics. It's about turning that business profit into personal wealth. And it's about understanding where your surplus should be allocated. Is it about destroying debts if you have them or utilizing debt to leverage and magnify your wealth? Or is it about getting it into good quality assets that allow you to have your money work while you sleep? And then the third component is about managing and nurturing. Because the reality is, guys, there's not going to be one decision that you make over the course of your life that will skyrocket you to financial freedom. It is going to be regular, repeated, and consistent decisions. So learning how to manage your wealth, both in your business and personally, is going to be critical to your long-term financial success. And when we can have a holistic view of our overall finances, of finding that balance between looking in the past and then moving forwards, and obviously acting in the present, then we can achieve some amazing results very quickly. I love that. Really great advice. That leads me right into then the opposite. So we've talked about the people that have the mindset that holds them back, that causes them to stay stagnant and not make the decisions or, or take action on the things they need to do. But let's talk about that other side of the coin. What about these people that are chasing that instant success? So they're the ones that somebody comes in and says, oh my gosh, Jackson, <laughs> wait till you hear what I'm doing in the cryptocurrency market. I, last week, I made $50,000 and kind of like you said, you're missing out. But a lot of times people maybe have the thought, but there's other people that are like, I am missing out. And so they jump in. What about that? How do we temper that, those, those of us who have this insatiable appetite to try and win big fast? <laughs> yeah, we call them chicken little investors. And the idea of this is that they often brag about all of their wins, but they never really talk openly and honestly about their failures. And this is an inherent trait with a lot of entrepreneurs, because as entrepreneurs, we're looking for opportunity to manufacture value. And my belief is that that should happen in your business, but your personal wealth should be largely passive. Now, I do uh, dabble in cryptocurrency, but I still believe that it's a speculative asset class that is highly volatile and has a high amount of uncertainty. And you can lose everything that you invest, and many people have. What we all need to hold ourselves accountable to making sure that we are actually building wealth, we're not trying to get rich quick, we're trying to get rich smart, is we need an investment operating system that is tailored to you and what you are trying to achieve. We need to stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. Just because your Uncle Bob has started trading cryptocurrency and flipping NFTs doesn't mean that you should. And this is about having an understanding of asset allocation, of knowing what are the ways that have been proven to allow us to accumulate wealth for generations. And how do we actually flip our mindset around investing? So many entrepreneurs are trying to make the most bang for buck in their investments as they possibly can. Whereas I teach my clients to calculate what is the least amount of risk that you need to take in order to have certainty around achieving the goals that you want. Mm. It just flips the mindset. Because I feel that coming back to that previous point that I mentioned of people overestimating what they can achieve in a year, people overlook the power of compounding. And when we actually crunch the numbers, we take them through an exercise called the financial freedom forecast, 
that the vast majority of entrepreneurs are really surprised by how little they actually need to make on their overall wealth in order to achieve their goals. Like we're talking 8%. The S&P 500 has done an average of 10% per year. And for the vast majority of people, if you can get your profits right, if you can have a good cash flow management process where you can maximize your surplus and you commit that surplus into good quality investments that average 8% a year, you will retire incredibly wealthy. We're talking multi seven figures in net wealth. And if you do choose to speculate in some crypto, which I do with about 10% of my net wealth, which is money that I can afford to lose, if it comes off, awesome, great, let's go buy the Lambo. If it doesn't, hey, it was a good fun time and we learned from the experience and we've got a good story to tell to our grandkids. Um, but it's not make or break investing. Uh, we're doing it systematically, objectively, and we're doing it easy. Love that. I mean, man, we have a group of, of our highest level of access clients. We talk exactly maybe maybe now that it'll resonate better that they, they hear, hear they hear jackson say it they'll us. be like okay this <laughs> exactly good. what we say yes. this is exactly, it's uh, not instant wealth it's infinite wealth that's what we're chasing right? we can tap so, into the infinite if we'll yeah. stop chasing that instant, instant and you know eight to ten percent the magic the eight the ninth wonder of the world compounding interest is the route that will help you to get there. Oh my gosh, this is fantastic. Speaking both of our languages, I know. That's it. I think we just become best friends. I love this. I yes. <laughs> you have some resources yeah. that are available to our listeners. Um, let people know how they can tap into more of you and they can access these resources that you have available. Yes, yeah, so we work with service-based business owners around the world to help them understand the language of money and ultimately create a system that helps them turn their business profits into personal wealth so they can manufacture financial freedom for themselves and their families. So we ultimately teach you how to do this for yourself. And we've got some great resources. So if you want to get access to my best-selling books for free, now if you want to get our 40-point financial performance scorecard, that'll help you work out what are the low-hanging fruit that you're missing on your wealth journey to get you on the right track for financial freedom, um, and some other great uh, calculators and tools like what we've discussed today, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes that is book dot wealth dash mentor dot com that are you forward slash gift dash page a uh, little bit of a mouthful you can jump on there get all those resources for free and of course if you want to have a, a chat and see how we might be able to help uh, feel free to reach out love to have a conversation and uh, just remember guys best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago second best times today uh, never too late start taking action jackson milan thank you so much for being on the none of your business podcast for sharing your gifts with our viewers and our listeners. But like we say every week, you can't just listen to a podcast. You can't just say, wow, I like that guy. Yeah. You've got or, to. Ooh, that sounds like <laughs> oh, I need to do that. I need to do, you've got to take action. So you visit the website. We're going to put it in the show notes. Don't forget he's in Australia. So that AU as well. You, gotta mm -hmm. add, you have to add that on. Um, and then you have to download, download the resources. And then you have to consume the content. And then you have to take action. Mm -hmm. like that's the formula. It's literally the formula. If you want to change your current situation to whatever you want it to be, no matter what it is, if you're trying to get into real estate, if you're looking to change your mindset, if you want some investment advice, if you want to improve your marketing, you want to improve your sales, we bring you all of these magnificent people each and every week, but it's up to you. You have to actually take action. You've got to be decisive mm -hmm. and decide today is the day. Everything changes for you. Jackson, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate having you. My absolute pleasure. 
All right, folks, that's it for today. We'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Make sure that you like, subscribe, whatever platform you're on, set up your notifications, do what you've got to do because you don't want to miss a single episode of the None of Your Business podcast.